Welcome to Dr. Cindy Speaks. Regular musings and reflections on politics, current events. Dr. Cindy Banyer is a mom and small business owner fighting for our water, our health, our community. She's running for the people of Southwest Florida, trying to flip Florida 19 from red to blue. Listen as she speaks truth to power. everybody, this is Dr. Cindy Banyer of Dr. Cindy Speaks, and this is the Daily Diatribe for January 10th, 2023, and this podcast is being recorded at 9.04 p.m. So there have been lots of different things going on in the news today. Today, I want to talk a little bit about a couple big items that had to do with our current president and our former president. So the one of the big things that was discovered recently was that Joe Biden had in his possession from his vice presidency under Obama some documents in a locked office that were classified documents. And it was revealed that these documents included intelligence on some of our biggest adversaries. And this came recently, and he's had them for apparently 10 years or so at least. This is an interesting thing to look at, especially as the right is decrying this as, oh, they, the Department of Justice and raided Mar-a-Lago, blah, blah, blah. It was just all a, a way to persecute Trump. So let's talk a little bit about the differences in these two cases. So first of all, there was a total of 10 documents that were, again, in a sealed location that were found and then promptly turned over to the Department of Justice. And it seems as though they got tucked away, as you can imagine may happen, and they were not necessarily being used. And once it was found that they were there, they were returned. Trump, on the other hand, had 325 documents, including many boxes, some of which were in unsecured locations across Mar-a-Lago. And he was actually had the request to get the documents back because they were known to have been missing. So the National Archives and there were legal questions and legal. There were legal documents that were filed. Trump's lawyers were involved and he refused to give those documents up. Okay, so there's a huge difference. So that's one of the reasons why knowing that they were there, they had evidence, people had seen them, they that the Department of Justice went in and secured those documents from Trump's property. So these are different circumstances. There was no seemingly nefarious action that Biden had taken. He wasn't trying to use them. He wasn't trying to conceal them in the way that Trump was. And he promptly complied with turning them back in. They, people didn't even know that they were gone. On the other hand, the information that included very sensitive information that Trump had maintained was noticed as being missing and was asked for back. And there was 325 documents as opposed to 10 that Biden have. And they had to go through not only a legal fight, but then actually physically go and remove them from Mar-a-Lago. So these are different cases. This is not Joe Biden trying to skirt responsibility. This is actually Joe Biden acting as a responsible steward of our government, understanding that he did have some classified documentation, and then returning it back for appropriate concealment in our government archives, okay? So don't let anybody fool you. This is not an apples to apples type of comparison. And no one is trying to persecute Trump. 
Trump is a ham-handed con, okay, who is trying to use the presidency to get money for himself and his family and as well as gain power. He's the egomaniac. Okay, so this is not the same thing. All right, close case on that. So speaking of Trump being a fraud and engaged in criminal activity, we know that in New York State, Trump's organization had been recently found guilty of tax fraud. And the Trump longtime Trump CFO, Alan Weiselberg, was sentenced to five months in jail for his role in this tax fraud. And if you haven't been following along with this, the, this, the crux of it was that well, Weiselberger was in charge of all the finances. But instead of paying Weiselberg a salary on paper, he had the Trump organization pay for his grandchildren's school. He had cars. He had a condo that was all not included in his official salary calculation. So they didn't pay tax on that. Okay. So there's definitive as evidence that the Trump is a fraud, that his organization has been acting fraudulently to try to engage in tax fraud. That's why his tax returns being opened up and coming out of uh, these congressional inquiries is really important for the American people to know, because we really need to get people to understand who the real Trump is. And the real Trump is a tax fraud, unabashed tax fraud. And unabashedly trying to make money off of his presidency and to find loopholes to not pay taxes that he may own. So he's not even trying to pay his fair share. Okay. So that's a really important thing to look at. And just to add to the pile, the steaming pile of garbage that is Donald Trump. So turning our focus to something else that is also a steaming pile of mess. That is immigration policy. So this week, Donald, sorry, this week, Joe Biden is meeting with the leaders of Canada and Mexico to talk about an array of things that affect the Western Hemisphere and the Northern Hemisphere specifically, and how they can make their agreements on business, especially they are interested in what's called nearshoring. So rather than sending manufacturing jobs over to China, how they can make the corridor between the United States, Mexico, and Canada along the lines of the trade agreements that are already in place, but how we can fortify that. We can have some more of the high-tech manufacturing come back to this hemisphere to avoid some of the supply chain issues that we saw in the post-COVID world. Additionally, they also talked about joint emissions reduction. So they're going to specifically focus on methane and meeting those methane reductions. And if you're not really familiar with all the climate change stuff, methane is actually the most detrimental of the greenhouse gases. And it um, is produced by a lot of different products. Beef industry is a huge one that does that. But also there's methane off tick from the oil and gas industry as well. And some of that has to do with technology improvements and regulations and things like that. Anyway, they made a commitment to reduce collectively between the three nations their methane emissions. So that's a step in the right direction for climate action. Also, and probably most notably coming out of this summit was some agreement and negotiation around the southern border between the United States and Mexico. The Biden administration, as you may remember, had the Title 42, which is the COVID policy that was put in place by Donald Trump that allowed the border agents to essentially straight away deport anybody because of public safety, public health. Okay. The Biden administration tried to roll that back. And then the Supreme Court actually, um, 
reinstated it. So those protocols are still in place where people are allowed to, if they try to cross the border, even if they're presenting themselves for asylum, they can be immediately deported. So the agreement that came was that the Biden administration announced that they will be accepting 30,000 immigrants a month from the countries of Cuba, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Venezuela, as long as they apply from their home country and they have a sponsor, they get a background check, and then they can get for two years a work permit to come an entry to come in the United States. But they'll then fly into their destination in the United States. So basically, the Biden administration is trying to push and make sure that people are applying for those slots from their home countries. And if you're wondering why those four countries, Cuba, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Venezuela, it has to do with their political situations right now related to um, their situation on the ground. We, You may have heard about Haiti. They had their president assassinated not too long ago, and they have the acting prime minister who can barely hold on to any power in the country. There are gangs that control large swaths of the country. Many aid agencies have pulled out because they their lives were endangered by these, these gangs and the gangs were then confiscating the food and either selling it or not allowing it to go to certain areas and manipulating it. And Haiti's actually on the verge of a famine. So their food and nutrition situation is at a crisis level. So we're, our neighbors here in Florida down South, not too far from us are on the verge of being a totally collapsed state and have widespread famine in their country. So it's a very, very dire situation for the people in Haiti. Cuba is also have a lot of stress. They have some political strife you may have seen in the news as well. And those migrants are trying now more frequently trying to get in the United States. Just last week, we saw a boat of folks end up in the uh, south of Key West and the Dry Tortugas. They came from Cuba here to the United States. So this is a situation that's very deadly. Nicaragua has also become a very dangerous place. And Venezuela has been closed off to the world for a very long time since the time of Hugo Chavez and now his predecessor Maduro. And the situation there continues to become even more dire as their economic system has essentially collapsed and their ability to produce the oil that had brought them to economic heights in decades past has been quelched because they were not able to get the technology they needed to continue to pump that oil. So anyway, those are the four countries that are part of this immigration deal. The folks in the United States will get entry per and work permits for two years. So that's a step in the right direction. It's not a lot. So of course, progressive folks are not super happy with it, but it can help get some more folks into the country. In addition to that, Mexico has agreed to take an additional 30,000 migrants from those four countries into the Mexican immigration system as well. So what we see at this point in time is folks trying to come and cross the southern border and they're basically getting stopped at the southern border or they're waiting because they think that policies may change and they can come across. And these folks are having trouble. It's really stressing NGOs and churches that have been helping these agencies are helping these people who are in dire situations. They're trying to get to the United States, but they, they're they stopped at the border because of Title 42. So the Mexican government is working on accepting 30,000 of those folks a month and trying to help them in Mexico to stabilize. 
So that is the big news. Immigration is such a tough issue. It There's no country that really does it well. We are seeing broader destabilization around the world because of things like climate change. Actually, through Central America, there's been some devastating hurricanes over the past couple of years that have not made things easy for people in those countries. We are going to see an uptick in this, actually. Immigration, migration patterns are expected to change around the world because of climate change, droughts, increased weather, severity of weather events. And people will be internally displaced and people may cross borders. And then these all also boil over into political stuff as well. It is a dangerous time for people, especially people who are on the edges of society anyway. If you, they are poorer people, even within the context of their own country, they can become victims of violence and going to probably be moving cross borders and even internally displaced more. And it's really disheartening because we used to have a system that was much more open and people could go, you think about going back in the United States to back to Ellis Island, right? So everybody whose parents, grandparents and stuff came at that point in time, that was literally just show up at Ellis Island. And if you know, you're not overtly some sort of deranged maniac, they basically let you in. So that's similar to what the people at the southern border are doing. So it really hurts my heart when I hear people disparaging these individuals and their families who are trying to come here to the United States. Because contrary to popular belief that the Republicans would have you have, that this is not the migration crisis that is happening at the southern border is not related to fentanyl, okay? Although fentanyl is coming into the country and some of it, a large portion of it is coming from Mexico and the cartels, they're not necessarily sending it across the border with asylum seekers or even people who are illegally trying to cross the border. That's not efficient. The vast majority of the fentanyl that's coming into this country is coming in to us via ports. It's just much easier because we actually don't have the administrative capacity to screen things to, that come through the ports. So it's much better to have a whole boatload come in and just slide it in or coming in via truck or other ways. Okay. So this is not, this is, that's a misnomer. That's misinformation that is being put out for political purposes. So do not buy into the fentanyl migration connection. Okay. It's just simply not the case. All right. Not to say that we don't have problems with fentanyl. We'll talk about that another day, okay? But it's not, these issues have been linked together by politicians here in the United States, especially people who want to deride Democrats and Joe Biden, okay? So beside that, right, we really should be honoring our Geneva Convention Agreement that we should be taking in refugees, people who are seeking asylum, people who are fleeing violence and political collapse and drug cartels. We should be taking in these people to the United States. These are not bad people inherently. Migrants in any country that they come to, usually they have a net benefit to the country that they land in because they are hard scrabble folks. There's a whole series of research on the migrant mentality. If you have the wherewithal to get up and out of where you are, you have the tenacity and the audacity to be successful and to figure it out. And so these are the people that are the entrepreneurs and things like that, that when they come here to the United States in particular, okay? So we should be honoring our humanitarian agreement of accepting people, and we're not. And we're not doing a good job of it, and it's become this ugly political fight. And frankly, it's not American. So I have urged our lawmakers to... to 
to quit with the politicization of it and to come together and make real changes. So really making sure that, yes, we do need more investments on the border. We need more people who are processing the asylum seekers. We need more people who are making sure that, yes, in the areas that people are legally crossing, that they are not, right? But that we're doing the right thing by having a good working process at the borders so that we can actually get people into this country just like we did during Ellis Island. And for all the Republicans that listen to this and think about that, even though they're probably not listening, but for all the Republicans that hear this, you all say that you want to be a Reagan Republican, right? Reagan was all about immigration, okay? So be a Reagan Republican and think about a way to make our immigration system work. And that's the end of the Daily Diatribe for today. I'm Dr. Cindy Banier, host of Dr. Cindy Speaks here on Big Mouth Media. And I hope to see you here next time on the Daily Diatribe or at one of the other shows that I help co-host. So we have coming up on Thursdays, Misinformational with Rebecca Jones. And that is going to launch on Thursday. And then also Thursday evening, we have the live show Juice, Fresh Talk with myself and Chantel Rhodes. You can catch that live show or you can catch the edited podcast on the following Monday. We hope that you will subscribe to us here at Big Mouth Media. We have a special promotion right now for our foundation members. For $50, you are going to get all of our special and extended content for free forever right now. If you are going to willing to invest in us right now, then we are going to have you on board with us as we grow. And trust me, we have a lot of great stuff on board. So you're going to be really happy if you get in and be a foundation member. So just go ahead and check us out at www.bigmouthmediafl.com. Go to that pricing and plans and get your foundation membership and help us grow as the first progressive media company in Florida as Big Mouth Media. So thanks for being here with us today and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dr. Cindy Speaks. If you'd like to learn more about her, go to cindybanyay.com or connect with her directly at vote at cindybanyay.com. We love connecting with people.